Well, last weekend we launched the capital campaign portion of our Seeking God's Direction project. And this, uh, we talked about it last week, but we'll mention it again. This is a, a project that's been about uh, almost two years in the making. Uh, it started, uh, like I said, about two years ago, not quite, but almost where I was in the office one day and a, a developer pulled up in the driveway and uh, phoned the church and, and said, hey, listen, now, would you guys consider selling your building ever? Because, you know, some, some properties had been moving on, on this street, and, and so naturally the, you don't want to say the sharks are circling, but the, the opportunity seemed like it might be presenting itself. And so we got this call of, of what would you do? And I said, well, that's, that's a question beyond my pay grade. That's, I can't answer those sorts of questions. But we took it to the elders and said, listen, if someone comes and puts a serious offer on the table for this piece of property, which by God's grace we had paid off last year in July, what's our answer? And so through uh, some discussions around the elders table first, which turned into a a task force headed up by Keith Weaver, uh, which uh, turned into a, I think, about 200-page document that's at the back of the church, which has left no stone unturned because that's the kind of uh, investment uh, Keith put into it, has now brought us to this point where we are are, are headed towards... uh, fundraising for construction, which is an amazing uh, piece of the puzzle, an, an amazing time, I think, in the history of Trinity Bible Church and what God has done for the past 30-odd years and, and is doing and continuing to do here in the valley. But throughout this project, right from those, those first discussions after I got that phone call in the office, right up to now, one of the, the hearts of every discussion I've been a part of has been, okay, if we're going to do this, if we're going to make this kind of an investment in, in a, a piece of property, uh, let's make sure we, we're doing it for the right reasons. We don't want to just build a, a shrine to ourselves or something to make us feel more comfortable and, and let us do whatever on Sunday mornings better. But instead, the questions have been more like, hey, how can we build the kingdom here in the valley? How can we use this, this piece of property and a building on it to best serve the town? How can we remind people, or how can we help people see for the first time that God loves them? How will this project facilitate that? And for the people who have been hurt by the church in the past, and that list is long. For the people who have negative assumptions, and that list in our town is also long. People with negative assumptions about church, or God, or Jesus, or Christians, or Christianity, all those things. How can a new building help us facilitate mending those relationships? The heart has never been the building. The heart has been for the mission that we're on. And here at Trinity, we have articulated our mission this way, that we exist to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus. That's our call to action. That's the the measuring stick that we measure everything we do by. That's what we're aiming for. We long to see people's lives changed by the message of Jesus. And this call to action is rooted in, in, in two passages, basically the, the Great Commission of Jesus and the Great Commandments. And last week we looked a bit at the Great Commission and we said at the end of Matthew 28, Jesus had, had done ministry. He'd been uh, crucified and put in the grave and risen again. He said, listen, when I rise, go meet me here. And at the end of Matthew 28, we see Jesus met his disciples right where he said he would. And he said to them, this is my paraphrase, listen guys, you have seen it all now. 
You've been with me for three years, three and a half years. You've watched me heal the sick and raise the dead and feed the hungry and calm the storm. You've seen me love the ones that society calls unlovable. You've seen me give value and worth to those that society says have no value and no worth. You've seen me confront the religious people who think they have it all together. And you've heard me pray. You've watched me pray. And as you've heard me speak and do all that I've done, you've seen the very heart of God the Father. And he narrows in and says, listen, I told you I was going to be turned over to the authorities and, and, and beaten and put to death and crucified. But then I would rise on the third day and I said, meet me here. And here I am. And Jesus says, you've seen it all. And, and everything you've seen me do has showed you that I am God and I have all authority in heaven and on earth over everything in creation. And effectively saying, listen, I have come to reconcile humanity to God, to rescue, to redeem humanity. And everything you've watched me do has been to that end. And now it's your turn. Jesus says to his disciples, it's it's your turn to go and bring restoration to the world. It's your turn to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the things that I have taught you as well. And behold, remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says, go tell everyone about me. Go show people how much God loves them. Go teach them about repentance and love and mercy and generosity and grace and all these things that you have seen in me and learned from me. And so for us who follow Jesus today, that that challenge, that commission, that mission falls to us as well. And so we have said it this way. We exist at Trinity to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I hope you see in that mission statement the the, the great commission there. But again, as I said, it also has the great commandment tied in there as well. That's the the fully devoted follower part. In Matthew 22, we, we read this conversation between Jesus and a bunch of different religious leaders. But at the end, we read that, that an expert in the law came to try and trap Jesus. And he asked him, hey, what's the most important commandment? And they figured they could, they could pigeonhole Jesus into answering one way and they could get him for something else that was actually important. And Jesus answered the question in Matthew 2, uh, 22, 37 and 38. He said, listen, the most important commandment is this, that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. He's saying you could basically hang the entire Old Testament on these two things. Love God and love people. And so this is the target for a follower of Jesus. This is the target for a fully devoted follower. That every part of our lives would be devoted to him. Every part of our being, everything that makes us who we are, everything that makes us whole, our, our mind, our strength, every effort we put into anything would ultimately be for the glory of God. That's the target. And that overflows into loving those around us well. So fully devoted follower, this is the, again the target we're aiming for. For those of us who are, are, are following Jesus is to, is to keep moving towards that. In every area in our life. And we want others to get there as well. To introduce them to Jesus. And take them then on that same journey towards following Jesus. Because we believe this is the best path for everyone. This is how we were created to live. In lockstep. Walking side by side with Jesus as he leads us. 
I appreciate how uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism captures this idea in the first point. They ask the question, uh, what is the chief end of man? Why are we here? Why was humanity created? And the simple answer is that humanity's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. And so if, if the mission at Trinity, our mission, that we, the language we've used is to see people transformed, which we'll come back to in a little bit, how do we, how do we see that happening? What's, what's the vision? How are we going to practically get that moving here? Well, as elders, we can, are continuing to, to nail down language around that so we don't have a, a, a well-crafted sentence yet because those things take time. Uh, but here's uh, some, a couple of pictures I want to share with you. Uh, the first one that I think helps uh, shape and, and share the vision of, of where Trinity is going. Uh, Naomi, my wife, shared with us at, at one of our earlier Seeking God's Direction kind of congregational meetings. Uh, she shared this with the church. Uh, on our candidating weekend, so the weekend that we came out to interview and the church got to meet us and we got to meet the church and, and we got asked all kinds of questions and, and I got to preach for the first time and it was a, it was a fantastic weekend. But uh, Naomi got this vision, we believe, kind of given by God. We believe God speaks to us through vision still. This image of, of, of us standing in the, the front row here, we hadn't been hired yet. We, we had some good feelings, but uh, it wasn't here yet. But here we were in the church with this, this room just being so filled with light that it blew out the windows and blew off the roof and just soaked the valley. Three years ago, she had that. Almost. It's interesting to me that of the first conversations we had about renovations, what, what, what might it look like? How could we better use the property and the land? One of the first things that came up with is, this roof is too low. We got to blow that sucker off and create more space. God's got a funny sense of humor. The second vision uh, if you will, is from a couple of months ago. Uh, Naomi and I had the opportunity to uh, attend a, a marriage retreat in Banff for a weekend, uh, which is actually what has inspired us to host a similar one here, May 1st and 2nd, so we'll circle that on your calendars. Uh, but, so we were there for, for Friday evening. It was, it was with a different church. Some, some friends of ours in their church in Edmonton were hosting this weekend in Banff, and we said, hey, we're close to Banff. Can we tag along? And they said, of course. So we had this weekend, Friday night and Saturday, where we, we, we did some, some hard work looking at our marriage. And we, they scheduled in a date night, which is important because sometimes life gets too busy for dates. And then, and then on that day, they said, deal with some of this hard work you've done over the, the morning and, and last night. And then the next morning, Sunday morning, when we got together, there was an opportunity from, uh, for those who were there, the couples who were there, to, to go and, and pray with someone. They had the speakers were one of the couples and some of the leadership of that church were at the front and you could just go and, and pray and have someone pray with and over you uh, to, to you know, help you deal with the stuff that's come up over this weekend. And so we didn't, as I said, we didn't know anyone except the, the one couple we knew. So we went and we, we talked with the speakers and said, listen, thanks for, thanks for letting us be here. Uh, we're from Canmore. We're friends of Lisa and Jared. They said, come and, and be a part of this and we're leading a church here and and uh, the couple praying with us, again, which don't know us at all, they said, listen, I just get this vision of you guys, this mind picture from God, of you guys and your church being like a lighthouse in Canmore, shining light into the valley. 
That's a nice common theme there. Two years apart, two and a half years apart. In John 8, 12, we hear Jesus say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Earlier in John, John even opens his gospel in uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, like this. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him and without him. Not anything made was made. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And as you read through John's gospel, and, and I hope you will, This theme of light and darkness is one of the major themes of the whole book. And so if if we at Trinity want to see people transformed into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, we want to see the Bow Valley drenched in the light of the world. We want everyone, we want everyone to have regular, if not daily, encounters with Jesus, with the light. Because in him is life. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And by the way, that little phrase at the end there, the darkness has not overcome it, I don't think that's a, the darkness has not yet overcome it. Like, we're, we're not sure how this is going to turn out. So far, there's still some light, and it's going to be okay. I think maybe a, a better understanding or a more complete understanding is that the darkness has not and will not overcome the light. And so when we talk about seeking God's direction for the future of Trinity, this is what we're calling you to be a part of, to take the light. This building project is a major step into the the future of our congregation, but we're not calling you to a building project. We're calling you to, to come and be on mission, to come on board with this light vision, because we're going somewhere. We have a job to do. We have a mission to fulfill and complete. Ministry, everything in and around the church is about movement. It's not about staying still. Ministry and and church, being the church together, is about being on mission together, about knowing where we're headed and what we have to do. It's not just, as one writer said, it's not just about defending the gospel and holding our ground, but it's about advancing the gospel. And so, how do we do this? Last week, as we opened this series, we we really kind of focused on the transformation part of the mission statement, and we closed our service with Romans 12, 1 and 2, specifically from the message paraphrase, which uh, says this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You will be changed. You'll be transformed, there's our word, from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Because unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. I really appreciate how Peterson brings those verses out to us in that translation, in that that paraphrase. He says it's the everyday stuff of life. It's the ordinary tasks that when we give them to God, he can use them for great things. I was challenged this week by one of the, the pastors I follow online, and eventually I shared the quote on my social media last night as well. And he asked this question of his followers. 
He said, rather than asking God to serve us, like if our prayer life looks like, God, we've got a budget to make and the elders of the church are just created this audacious goal of fundraising to build a building. Can you help us with that? Or rather than asking our prayer lives, being about, God, help us do this. What if instead we made a seemingly subtle shift, but I think a massive shift actually, and said, what if we told God we are available to serve him? Your terms, God. Where are we headed? That's the challenge. And I think that's a big piece of stepping into life on mission. Not saying, God, here's where I'm going. Will you bless it and come with me? But instead saying, okay, I don't want to move until, God, you say, here's where we go together. One way to be more available to God is to slow down to create more margin in your life. And I shared in the first service, we moved out here from Calgary three years ago, and the pace of life here is slower than Calgary, which is nice. And so maybe we're a little bit slower. However, all that maybe extra time that we, we, we save from the hustle and bustle of the big city, and we jam-pack that time with activities, don't we? We got to go skiing in between the services. We got to go for a bike ride here. We got to climb at EP before it closes. We got to try and swim if they ever open the pool back up. All these things, right? We try to fill all these things into our day. We got to slow down so we have enough margin in our lives, enough opportunities in our lives so that if God says, hang on, we need to have a conversation here with this person, we can actually do that. Our minds aren't racing for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing so much that we don't even hear God say, slow down and have coffee. Slow down and meet with them. An example. You know how, you can, how each and every one of us can be light in this valley, especially as a, a tourist town, hospitality industry that we are? Be nice to people who are serving you. When you go to EP, be kind to the staff at Elevation Place. I can't tell you how many times I hear about people ripping into the front desk staff at EP because they're having a bad day and here's someone to just verbally vomit on. And I would suspect that has only increased recently with the pool issues that they've been having. Be kind to people. Care about people. When you're at a, at a checkout anywhere, ask, ask the person serving you how their day is going, but don't ask as you're scooping up your groceries to walk out. How's your, good, great, okay. Be ready with a follow-up question. How's it going? What's, how's the week been? How's your shift been? Whatever. Care about people. Love people. Consider that we are going as the light of Jesus to, to show them the same kindness and grace and mercy that God showed us by sending Jesus. Let me clarify there as well. I don't think that necessarily anyone will, will because I'm kind to my, my teller or my, my barista, all of a sudden they'll be like, oh, that guy talked really, really nice. I think Jesus is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity who came to save me from my sins. However... There's a few of us. This is a small town. People start to see, okay, that's a smiling face. That's a smiling face. These people are always kind. All of a sudden, the pieces are going to start to fit. Wait a minute. I've seen them all at this gathering. I happen to see them at Quarry Lake putting people under the water for some reason. In our, we, sh- we should follow up on this and see what's going on, right? It, it, it allows for us to have uh, further openings and further conversations. We've got to care for people. We've got to love people. And we do this because we're called to something so much more than just our own little lives. Just success, whatever that looks like for ourselves. Back to Romans 12, Paul continues, and I'm going to stick with the message version as I read on verses 3 to 8. 
He says, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then as every one of you does in pure grace, it's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. Your uh, ESV or and other translations might say there, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Right? This is all about God. Everything good has come from him. In verse 4, he says, In this way, we are like various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. And the body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and our function as part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and, and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we are made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other, trying to be something we aren't. It goes on in verse 6. So if you preach, just preach God's message. Nothing else. If you help, just help. Don't take over. If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. He's saying, in effect, we're all part of this thing together. We all have a role to play together. And we all need each other. I used the analogy before. It's from Wayne Cordero and recently as even as last week that the, that the church and being on mission together is like being on a battleship, not like being on a cruise ship. See, a cruise is a vacation for most, right? There's some people there that are there at work. They make the boat go where usually where it's supposed to go, right? And they, they make sure that the meals are cooked and the entertainment's in line and, and whatever else. So some people are doing work, but, but lots of people, they're just, they're just there for the ride. Church is not like that. It can't be like that. The church is like a battleship because everyone has a role to play. Everyone, wherever you are. As long as you're on that boat, there's work to be done. There's a, there's a job to do. The life of faith is similar to that battleship mentality. Until God calls us home, whenever that may be, we are part of a mission and we have a role to play. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is his, his longest recorded teaching and perhaps his most important teaching, he tells his followers then, which include us today as well, he says, listen, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. If I can flip back to Peterson, Eugene Peterson, and in the message, he says this, paraphrasing the same passage. Here's another way to put it. You are here to be light. You are here to bring out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've, I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open houses. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you will prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. And that's the goal. It's not the good works is not the goal. The, work, the, the goal is that this openness, this, this light shining points people to Jesus, our generous Father and God, our generous Father in heaven. And that's what we're pressing forward towards. 
This is our, our mission and vision here at Trinity, to see people transformed and to be light bringers that, that bring out the God colors in the world. And if this is your church home, I'm calling every one of you to step into, the, step into this, to find your role. I've mentioned as, as elders, we have been working really hard at creating and, and clarifying language around these things, around our, our mission and vision and values as well. And we'll be hearing more about the language around values, the core values of what make us, us in the future. But one I want to share today, especially because it relates to what we're talking about, is this. We believe that as Trinity Bible Church, we are contributors, not consumers. The short version is that ownership matters. We all have to, to own this vision and find our own place in it. A bit of a description of that, we're contributors, not consumers, is this. We want to equip uh, members and people of all ages to make disciples in the everyday stuff of life. We believe that the church is not a provider of services, but a, a training ground for servants stewarding our spiritual gifts. Every member is a minister, every elder is an equipper, and we give what we have to work towards solutions. We participate in spiritual disciplines and take responsibility for our own discipleship. We're part of something. This isn't, we don't come on Sunday so that the person we pay preaches and the, the band that volunteers they lead and we don't assume that the elders are going and growing the church while we just come along for the ride. But we step into it together and all of us plays a role. So as we head uh, towards a close, let me remind us of a few kind of imminent ways, upcoming ways that we can all own the vision of making disciples, of making fully devoted followers of Jesus. Obviously, I think first and foremost, pray, 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 pray like crazy. I consider this, this campaign that we're on, the Seeking God's Direction campaign, and, and consider the role you can play there. Wednesday night, I mentioned it this, this, uh, earlier this morning, uh, Wednesday night here, there's a, a praying women's simulcast event here at the church, 7.45 to 9.15. Ladies, come out. Guys, if you're married, free up your wives so they can come out. And while they're here, take some time to pray yourself and ask God to teach us to pray. I also mentioned uh, the Grief Share Seminar, 13 weeks starting February 27th. This is a valley where people are grieving and hurting. And so maybe this is something that, that, that you need for yourself. Maybe this is something you know someone who should be a part of. Maybe just come because they need someone to go with. Invite people, pray for it. Skiers Church, this is a really unique uh, in that sunshine we have. Pray for it. Go to it. Uh, pray for Ron. Encourage him. So He's on Facebook. Send him a little Facebook message. Ron, we're praying for you this morning as you head up there. Pray for our, our groups and our Bible studies that are gathering already. That God would speak and lead and, and, and direct people to himself. Or join or start a group. I'd love to talk with you about how to, to organize a few people to get together maybe once a week or so to read the Bible together, to, to memorize some verses together, to, to pray together, to encourage one another in our own journey towards being fully devoted followers of Jesus. We've got a marriage weekend coming up. May 1st and 2nd, Friday night, 7 to 9-ish. Saturday, kind of all day. Come, invite people. This isn't something we want to just keep in-house but invite to whoever. Uh, if you're not interested, if you're not interested, offer to babysit so that someone who's interested can come. 
pray for our church as well as we continue to explore strategic partnerships in and around the valley that allow us to be light in the valley, whether it's, it's with the town and, and, and social services or with potentially with schools or with other churches or with whoever else so that we can be light in the valley. Something else to consider as we uh, want to wrestle with how do we own the vision and, and help impact the valley with the light of Jesus. Uh, the summer's coming. Kids are out of school. Sometimes that means parents need care for kids. Maybe a vacation Bible school or a summer camp, a day camp week would be something that we can do and host. Can we do it? Maybe again through some of those strategic partnerships. Think about these things. Pray about these things. Ask what your role is in them. That uh, ownership value that I mentioned says that we want to be a training ground as well. So from a, a leadership perspective, let me just share where, where I think we're headed, uh, myself as lead pastor, and I'll speak for the elders as well, where we're headed for the next little bit. Uh, following this series on, on Seeking God's Direction, we're going to step into the book of Ruth, starting in about the middle of March or so, where we can uh, explore and invite people into learning about God's relentless, redeeming love. Think about who maybe needs to come and hear that, who you can invite or you can discuss with later. We want to look at uh, maybe following that, whether it's a a series or something on on spiritual rhythms or disciplines. How can we work to create margin in our lives? And if we get it, sometimes we sit down, it's like, okay, I got this book in front of me. Where do I start? What do I do? How do I I use this time best? How do I pray? How How do I fast? Jesus says, when you fast, well... We're going to look at some of those things, hopefully. Uh, I think maybe in the summer we're getting a little farther out, so it's less set in stone. But in the summer, we're hopefully we're going to do a series on Jesus' parables. Jesus was a master storyteller. And our culture, our world, loves a good story. People are following and listening and believing all kinds of stories. So what can we learn from Jesus, from his stories, how he connected with his culture? What can we learn from him about telling the better story? the story of the gospel to the culture around us. And then I think in the, in the fall, again, this is a little far, so hopefully we're going to look at a series probably through 1 Peter. And Peter, 1 Peter is this, this amazing little letter about living as exiles, as living as those who are on the, on the fringes of culture, who are not uh, deciding where culture goes, but how does, how does this church, as Peter writes to in the first century, exist within the Roman Empire? How do we exist within an empire that's not any longer friendly to religion in general and Christianity, maybe in specific. I'm pretty excited about what God has in store for, for us, for you, and for me in the next weeks and, and months and, and years. And I hope, especially if you're visiting and if you're, this is home as well, that you see that there's a place for you here. If you don't see a place, uh, talk to someone. Find someone. Talk to myself. Talk to, to a greeter. Talk to an elder. Another friendly face that looks like, like maybe they're plugged in. We would love to help you connect and get on mission with us to see people transformed to fully devoted followers, to see light go out and drench the valley. Because here's the thing. Every single one of us are giving our lives to something. We are fully devoted followers of someone or something. You just have to decide what that's going to be. And what's better than seeing people transformed by the gospel? What's, what's better, what's more worth us giving our lives to than seeing relationships restored? What's better than seeing people find hope and meaning and purpose and value 
And what's better than loving the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength? Let me pray. God, thank you for this congregation, this church here, Trinity Bible Church, and the history we have. They have brought us from our humble beginnings as a living room Bible study up to this point now, and you are at work here now, and you are at work uh, into the future as well. I pray uh, earnestly, God, that you would give us ears to hear where you're leading us tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, next decade, as we long to see people transformed by your message, by the gospel that brings freedom to the captive, sight to the blind, freedom from oppression, and brings meaning and value and purpose. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that that you came, that you walked this earth, that you were like us in every way, that you you experienced all the things we experienced but, but remained sinless, and that you went to the cross to pay for, for our rebellion, for all the ways that I've said, you know what, God, I can handle this. I, I think I have a better way. I think you're holding out on me. Thank you. You paid the penalty for my rebellion. And you died on the cross and you were raised three days later. And you came and said, listen, I've got all the authority. I've proved to you that I am God and I am over creation. You've seen how I've related to the world. You've seen how I've loved the unlovable, how I've healed the sick, I've raised the dead, I've fed the hungry, I've calmed the storms, I've done all these things, and now it's your turn. God, I, I pray that you would help us with the vision of, of, a, of a battleship, of, of, a, of a, a joint team working together, pulling together in one direction to make your name great and bring your life here in the valley. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.